Shalom. Today we will be looking at two parashas. The first is Akare Mot, which means after the death. And it is taken from the book of Leviticus, chapter 16, verse 1 through chapter 18, verse 30. And secondly, Kedoshim, meaning holy ones. And it is also taken from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 1 through chapter 20. Verse 27, the deaths of Aaron's sons in chapter 10 was a solemn warning to anyone who would dare to carelessly enter the presence of the Holy One of Israel. Their deaths were meant to be a stern warning to Aaron himself and to all who would draw near. Now, over the course of a year, sin would accumulate in the camp of Israel and these sins were a great defilement to a holy God and his sanctuary. Now, I believe that Nadab and Abihu entered the sanctuary in their sinfulness and without atonement. We need to remember that our spiritual maintenance must be a priority when drawing near to the presence of God. Now think of all the ways we can sin through word, thoughts, and deeds. If we are woke 15 hours a day and sin just two times in an hour, over the course of a year, we would have sinned over 10,000 times. Annually, these sins had to be atoned for, covered, and removed from the sight of Adonai. In the Old Testament, this was done by observing the daily sacrifices as well as the annual day of atonement. When the high priest carried the blood of the sacrifices into the most holy sanctuary and made atonement for himself, his family, and for the rest of Israel. Now these duties that Aaron performed during the day of atonement were a foreshadowing of the powerful salvation work of Messiah. Messiah Yeshua, the righteous and innocent one, made full and final atonement for us through his blood. Now we are cleansed by the waters of his baptism and we all need to be clothed in his righteousness. Yeshua accomplished the sin offerings on the cross for all mankind. He ascended and entered that heavenly, that holy and eternal tabernacle. Messiah Yeshua, the sin bearer and the remover of our sins. There is no greater love. In chapter 18, Adonai continues to instruct Israel about the sacrifices. Now, when an Israeli desires to bring an offering, he might bring a bull, a lamb or a goat. But he was required to bring that animal to the entrance of the tabernacle and give a part of that animal as a gift to the Lord. If he failed to bring that gift to the Lord, he was to be cut off from the Lord's people. And this would mean inevitable spiritual death and more often spiritual physical death. Now, Adonai may have had many reasons for giving these instructions, but there is one overriding lesson in it for us today. If we are going to come to God, we must come to him on his terms. 
In the old dispensation, there was only one place on earth to properly come for worship, the tabernacle, and later the temple. And for us today, there's also one place and only one where Adonai in his grace has elected to meet repentant sinners, and that is at the cross. There's no other sacrifice, no other priest, no other altar, and no other name under heaven given among men whereby we may be saved. It is there and there alone, and to reject this meeting place is to bring down judgment on one's own person. Even the blood has no atoning value unless and until it is put on the altar. God says, I have given the blood to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. Leviticus 17 and 11. And now that the new covenant has been inaugurated, the blood of bulls, lambs, goats, and pigeons is insignificant. It must be the blood of Messiah, and it must be the altar of the cross. Now in Parashah Kedoshim, Adonai says to Moses, speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, Am holy. Now, this sums up all the laws given in this and the next chapter of Leviticus. The laws were to make the people holy. How unlike so many laws of our times, such as laws about abortion, gambling, homosexuality, which often makes people unholy. Now, we live in what is today a sex-saturated society. It mocks monogamy and marriage, promotes abortion as a mean of birth control, and claims that moral absolutes don't exist. And, we would, and they will have us to believe that we can violate God's moral standards and not suffer the consequences. For some violations of the Torah, there was no atonement. There are 36 transgressions where the punishment consists of being cut off from Israel. These transgressions include the prohibited sexual unions in this chapter, as well as blasphemies, idolatries, necromancy, profaning the Sabbath, and certain violations of purity laws. Anyone who sins defiantly blasphemes the Lord, that person must be cut off and his guilt will remain with him. Now, there are sins. There are sins which have been committed intentionally. These are sins which have been committed intentionally. If a sin is committed by mistake or in ignorance, a sin offering may be brought. But the common element in any of these unpardonable sins was acting defiantly. God is holy and he does not change. And the new covenant does not relax the standard. In fact, the authors of Hebrews wrote, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a terrifying expectation of judgment. Hebrews 10, 26, 27. In fact, 
In Hebrews 4 and 6, the author suggested that those who once learned the truth, received God's gift, and shared in the Holy Spirit, who were blessed to hear Adonai's good message and see the power of his great kingdom coming, but then turn their backs on it, it would not be possible to change them again. That is because those who leave Messiah are nailing him to the cross again and shaming him before everyone. The list of sins in chapter 18 is repeated in chapter 20, but here penalties are attached. For certain offenses, the penalty was capital punishment, being stoned to death, and the offender's bodies burnt with fire. This was the case with Achan after his greed and rebellion were found out. Closing thoughts. Sanctification is an ongoing work which leads to holiness. To put it simply, the lack of sanctification is a sign of non-generation. Where there is no holy life, there has been no holy birth. The Puritan J.C. Ryle wrote, and I quote, holiness is the habit of being the one mind with God, according as we find his mind described in scripture. It is the habit of agreeing in God's judgment, hating what he hates, loving what he loves, and measuring everything in this world by his word. The man who most entirely agrees with God, it is he who is the most holy. We are commanded to be holy because he is holy. Leviticus 11 and 45. And we have also been given a stern and solemn warning that without holiness, no man will see God. Brothers, sisters, we have a loving, graceful and forgiving father in heaven who has given us his son as a sin bearer. And not only will Messiah bear our sins, but he has also washed us in his atoning blood and has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Allow me to ask the question. Where are your sins? The question is, where are your sins? They can only be in one or two places. First, understand your sins belong to Messiah. He died for them so that your sins could be nailed to the cross and placed as far from you as the east is from the west. Or secondly, they remain with you. If you haven't confessed, confessed and repented by turning from wickedness and on to holiness, If you have not brought your sins to the altar of the cross, if you haven't given to them to the one who paid for them with his life, then you are a thief. And you may die with them. You may weep in hell and the demons will laugh and mock you because you neglected such a great salvation. My heart's desire is that we no longer neglect this gift that is freely given. 
And that we accept this gift of Messiah that he freely gives us. And that we, that he freely gives us long ago and we relieve ourselves of the burden of sin that is not ours to bear. Shabbat shalom.